Well, good morning again. Thank you for coming. We have two more days after today. Camp is uh, winding up. Let's begin with prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for all you've been doing in our lives this week. Thank you for the ability of the word to change our lives because it is you speaking through it to us. And uh, Lord, we have no other way this morning to uh, be different or to grow except that we stand upon your word. And we come this morning with seeking hearts. We come with open hearts. We come with open lives, Lord, for you to just uh, do that work in us. We invite you even, God, to the point of piercing us, to the point of dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, to be a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. And as you even do that deep work in us that is, uh, as the Hebrew writer says, is not always joyful but painful, thank you for your grace in that. Thank you that you do it with so much love as you come to us today. Thank you for caring for us so deeply and uh, for your great love for us. Uh, we pray for the services going on all over the grounds, even at this hour um, in the youth tabernacle, um, in children's church, in the tiny tots, in the nursery, and for the service to come at 1030 and at 730 tonight. And once again, oh God, I ask you, according to your word, for you to grant to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you and that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. God, please grant to us today spiritual enlightenment. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again. We are now for these uh, final three sessions. We are in 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you brought your Bible with you, or as Steve likes to say, if you have your device with you, um, please uh, turn with us and follow along in uh, 2 Timothy 4. By the way, there's a lot of great resources on the internet now, aren't there, for Bible study? So many, you know, um, once upon a time you had to go to school somewhere and get books and learn, and, and now um, there are so many good tools for Bible study on the internet, and uh, we'd be glad to talk to you about some of that. Um, we have a book on the back table, a little bit. If, you, if you're interested in getting, like, started on personal Bible study, we've got a little book all back there called Next Steps, and maybe you've always said, you know, I'd really like to get into my Bible study a little more. I just don't know how. So it's just kind of a little kind of initial steps process and uh, one of the things in there is just showing some of the resources that are out there. If you go to like blueletterbible.com, that's a great website um, that has all these Bible study tools on it. Um, there's a website called eSword and uh, e-sword.net, and uh, you can download the program for free. And so anyway, in the book, and uh, we'd be glad to, we really, one of, the, one of our dreams and prayers for camp is that, as I said, not only would God speak to us through the word here, but when we go home, when we go home, that we would be um, walking in the Word when we go home this year, that we come back to camp next year just having grown because God's been working on us through the Word. Because remember yesterday, the Word is able in our lives. So you'll be quizzed on that later too, by the way. So 2 Timothy chapter 4 this morning, I'd like to begin by reading just the first four verses. We're going to take this in three parts over the next three days. Um, the parts of the chapter. First four verses are well-known verses. Well-known verses. Um, I have heard these verses read so many times in like an ordination service. Has anybody here ever attended, besides those who've been ordained, have you uh, attended an ordination service where hands are laid on those who have been called uh, into the Christian ministry? 
And almost without exception, almost, these verses would be verses that would be read in that kind of a service. So they'll be familiar to you. He says, I try, now remember, this is, this is from everything we've been talking about so far. We talked yesterday about the word is able. And so at the beginning of chapter 4, he says, I charge you, therefore, so based on what we've just said, I've been talking to you about how the, the word is powerful and able in your life, Timothy, and it's able to do all those four things we talked about there in verse 16 up there. So based on that, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Now, in your Bible, is there an exclamation point after that statement? Does anybody know? Not every, some of them do, some of them know. And anybody remember Victor Borga, and he did the phonetic punctuation? I don't know how to do it, but, uh, you know, phonetic punctuation. That is, that's a strong statement we'll talk about in a moment. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Now, here's the thing on these verses. I did not realize, you know, it's amazing when you start studying maybe a familiar passage of the Bible you've always heard, and then you learn new things. Amen. Isn't God's Word great, by the way? Right? And we never get to the bottom of it, right? That, that's the joy of being into God's Word is because it's a living Word. Because it's Jesus revealing himself, there's always more there, isn't there? Has, has that happened to you? Man, I, I studied that a long time ago, and now I went back, and there's more there, right? It's deeper because you never get to the depth of Jesus. He's just, I think that's why... We have eternity to explore him and get to know him more. So, so if you know, we're, we're talking about growing in this lifetime, well, guess what? We ain't seen nothing yet because heaven's going to be all about growing <laughs> even more and knowing him more and more and more. So I, I, I never realized how intense these verses are. I always had an impression that these were really laid back, the young people say, chill verses. You know, because they're read at ordination services. I don't know if you've been to if you've been to an ordination service. Ordination services are not normally very rock, except overseas. They're not very raucous events. Um, ordination services are usually very solemn. Um, there's soft music playing. It's very laid back. It's very casual. I mean, it's very just, you know, soft. And so I thought these verses were, you know, Paul is there and he's got some soft music playing in the background, maybe a candle burning, it's, you know, maybe some uh, aromatherapy or something, I don't know, and it's just, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's that, uh, essential oils is, uh, is in, wafting in the air, and it's just very chill. Uh, actually, these verses are super intense, and I was not prepared for that, which brought to mind that, um, do, you, do you guys think we live in intense times right now? Anybody noticing that? 
It's almost like every aspect of life over the last couple years has gotten even more intense than it was. Is that true? Now, I don't know if that's just me, but I think even people's driving has gotten more intense. Does anybody think that? I, I think there's more like driving aggression out there than maybe this is just Nashville. I don't know, but there is like aggressive driving going on in these days. Our politics are more intense, at least as intense as ever, right? At least in our lifetime. Intense intensity. People can get downright intense about stuff. I mean, even our sports has gotten intense. Amen? Sports is intense. I come from Chicago, and uh, there's a lot of, you know, differing cultures in Chicago, as you know. That's where I was born and raised, maybe, you know. A lot of differing cultures and backgrounds. It's kind of a melting pot kind of a city. And we even have two baseball teams that don't like And even that's gotten it. It means Cubs, White Sox, that's intense. They don't like each other. There is, there is one, only one thing that unifies everybody in the city of Chicago, where I was born and raised. One thing. A hatred for Green Bay. Uh, that's, that's the only thing that unifies every single person in Chicago is, is just a, and if you're a Packer fan, I'm sorry, but it's a, it's a hatred for Green Bay. Intensity. It's, it's, it's downright, in, it's palpable intensity. Which, by the way, I've noticed that you Ohio folk get a little intense about your sports. You know, there's this one word I've learned so many times over the years as I preach here at Camp Syker in Ohio. There's this one word you're never supposed to utter here. It's that state to the north. It begins with an M. You guys do know Trina was born and raised there, right? Thank you, thank you. I better, start, I better quit before Jason turns off my mic here. So again, I was struck by, because we live in intense times, I was struck by the intensity of the verses. So let's look for a few moments at, there are, there are at least three, there's, there's more, but there's at least three elements I'd like to just identify with you this morning in verses one and two that are intense, intense, that, that contribute to the intensity of the atmosphere. First word, I charge you, therefore, charge you. That is not your ordinary, everyday household word <laughs> that you use every day. I charge you. The word charge there literally means to beg earnestly or to implore thoroughly. To beg you or to implore thoroughly. I charge you. This is, this is not your ordinary household word. This is, not, this is when, when a mother says to um, her child, um, I'd like you to clean your room. She doesn't usually use this. I charge you, therefore, to clean your room. <laughs> or I charge you to take out the trash. I charge you to wash the dishes. I'd like you to please wash the dishes. This, this word is, is elevated in its intensity. As a matter of fact, I found that in this word, oftentimes in the book of Acts, is connected with the word preaching. The, the word can actually mean to testify also, but it's oftentimes connected with preaching. So in essence, what Paul's doing here is he's saying, Timothy, I'm going to preach to you about preaching. <laughs> I, I'm preaching to you. So um, you know how um, uh, Brandon did a great job this morning in, our, in, our, in the prayer meeting, and he talked about just maybe picturing things in Scripture. I love the picture of of Michael folding her arms. Um, I, I picture that Paul was writing this or dictating this, but when he got to this part, he stood up. You know? you know how like when you're watching the ball game 
if, if you watch football or whatever, and you know how things are getting intense and you, you just got to stand up and move a little closer to the TV, you know what I'm saying, it's in intensity. So he's kind of like stood up and got a little, I don't know where he's, where he's walking to down in, the, down in the chamber, but he actually stood up at this point and he's like, this is, I charge you, therefore, in other words, it's back to what we said at the beginning, this is a dad putting his hands on his shoulders, look me in the eye, and I want to just really get this through to you as much as I can. So that's intense. The second thing that is intense is that next phrase, I charge you, therefore, before God. Now listen to this with me, because many times it's easy for us, for me, to breeze over things in Scripture. We're, we're so accustomed to reading the Bible, sometimes we don't, we don't oftentimes just let it uh, soak in for a moment. Um, we're used to hearing words of Scripture. We're used to hearing the songs. And a lot of times, even when we sing these such familiar hymns that Ron's leading us in, in the tabernacle, it's good for us to say, now wait a minute, I've, I can sing that song by rote memory, but let me absorb those words. So he says, I charge you, therefore, listen to this, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom? I'll take that in for a moment. I charge you, I'm preaching to you, before God, literally in the face of God, or literally in God's presence. So literally, I'm saying this to you, Timothy, and I'm looking God in the face as I'm doing this. So I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and dead as appearing in his kingdom. He's bringing up the second coming. In other words, what he's intimating is, Timothy, this is so important and so intense because we are going to be accountable to God when Jesus comes. And by the way, he's coming. Amen. Amen. He's coming. I loved how Steve preached about being ready for that coming. So be we are accountable to God. When Jesus comes back, I am going to answer to him for what I presented to you on Friday morning Bible study. I'm accountable to you. Bird is accountable this morning for what he preaches in the 1030 service. Steve will be accountable to God when Jesus comes. Steve will be accountable to Jesus when he comes for what he preaches at 730 tonight. Todd is accountable for what he shared on Missionary Day, on and on. We are accountable for what we're sharing. The, the reason this is so important is because we are accountable for God. Now, you understand this morning, not only is the preacher accountable, you know who else is accountable? It gives a whole different light on a church service, doesn't it, to think that when I come in here, this is not a spectator sport. Amen. Not spectators. We are all participants in this service, right? We're all participants in this Bible study. We are all participants. There are no spectators. We are all accountable participants in the 1030 service to come. Is that right? It's kind of funny. Um, sometimes at a camp meeting, um, you know, there's multiple speakers and you're one of the evangelists. And like on the on the on the service, you're not speaking. Somebody, somebody will often say to me, oh, you got the service off, oh, you got, or you got tonight off, or something like that. And my standard response has been, well, actually not. I just have a different role. I'm not the one up front, but I'm, I'm the prayer support. I'm the, one, I'm, I'm, I'm the one who's come to seek. I'm the worshiper. I'm, I'm the, you, you know what I'm saying this morning? So we all have an equal part in the service, right? 
and we are all accountable, and that puts a whole different spin on when I come to a church service that I am accountable. When Jesus comes, I'm going to answer to him for how I responded to the truth on Friday morning at Camp Syker in 2022. I'm going to be accountable to him. I joked about this when I was a pastor that um, we ought to put a warning like in our church bulletin, you know, like the Surgeon General warning on the pack of cigarettes or whatever. Not that you guys would know about that, but um, so there's this little warning thing, you know, warning. Da, da, da. I thought, you know, we, I just joked in a sermon one time at our church when I was pastoring, we should put a, like a little box warning, you know, in our bulletin, you know, warning when you come to church, you know, there's going to be truth and, and we're going to be accountable for the truth. You, you can't come in and hear the truth and walk away and, and, and not be different. I've got to somehow respond to that truth. So my very wise secretary started every Sunday from that point on, bottom of the bulletin, had this little box, and it had this little warning thing in there. And it was a good reminder that this morning, even today, you and I are accountable. So you see how intense? That's intense. Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. This is intense. But even greater intensity is in verse 2. I mean, you think that was something. Wait, wait, do you hear verse 2? In verse 2, he gives you two imperative verbs. And all God's people said, amen. Imperative, what's an imperative verb? The, the, name, the name tells you an imperative verb is a command verb. There are indicative verbs in Greek, which are a fact spoken. There are subjunctive verbs, which uh, express a wish or a desire or a possibility. Then there are imperative verbs, which basically give you command. So the, this is not a suggestion for a young pastor. These two imperative verbs are a command. You must do these things. Number one, preach the word. Why? Because everything we've been talking about yesterday Timothy, it's the word that's able. It's the word that we need. We need the, the wisdom for salvation through Jesus Christ that can only come through the word. So, Timothy, it is imperative. It is not an option. Our lifeblood of the church will be in the preaching of the word. I read a post on Facebook just a couple weeks ago from Thane. Anybody know Thane Yuri? Uh, Bill Yuri's brother, and he, and he posted about the, this beautiful post about how, you know, ref, the Reformation, it wasn't, wasn't Martin Luther that brought the Reformation, it was God's Word that brought Reformation, right? It was the Word of God that brings Reformation. So Paul would reiterate again, Timothy, we've got to preach the Word. Can't do Victor Borga, but exclamation point right there. The second imperative is right after that. Preach the word and be ready in season and out of season. Now, just briefly, in season and out of season literally means in Greek, good times and bad times. Which essentially equals what? All the time, right? So all the time, always, whether it's good or bad, things are going good, things are not going good, when there's good times in the church or bad times in the church, wherever you are, anytime, preach the word and be ready. Be ready, what's that all about? I found that same word is used in other places in Scripture, like in the book of Acts. Since this is a Bible study, I don't usually have time to do this, but I'll just take a moment for it. If you have your notes and in your printed notes, and if you're following along, this word be ready is used in the book of Acts in places like chapter 10, verse 17. Remember Peter on the roof? Remember Peter up praying on the roof and he had the vision of the 
pigs on a bl- pigs in a blanket coming down, all that kind of stuff, right? So he had the vision of the hooved animals coming down on the blanket. Anyway, meanwhile, God had spoken to Cornelius and said, send for this man in Joppa named Simon Peter. And then the guys come to get him. And it says in chapter 10, verse 17 of Acts, um, Peter wondered within himself what this vision, which he had seen, meant. Behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house, and they stood before the gate. That word stood, like knocking, that's the word be ready. They stood. They're, they're hey, they're seeking. Hey, we're ready. We're seeking. The, the word is used again in chapter 11 here in Acts in verse, chapter 11, verse 11, when Peter is retelling this, he's recounting this event, and he says in chapter 11, verse 11 of Acts, at that very moment, three men stood before the house. They're at the gate, they're ready, they're seeking, they're, okay, ready to go. The same word in Greek is also used in chapter 12, verse 7. So this time, um, um, James, uh, I'm sorry, this time um, Peter's in prison, and uh, Peter's there in prison, and the angel comes, and behold, the angel of the Lord stood by him. He's, hey, you ready, Peter? You know, standing ready, seeking you out on a mission from God. I'm ready. So literally, this, the notion of this word is preach the word and always be, be, be ready to go, be seeking, have an attitude of readiness, have an attitude of, hey, where you want to go, God, with me on this? Just have an attitude of readiness in your mind, which is why we talk about how we come to church. Church is not a spectator sport. Church services are not, there's, there's you know, let, let's see how good a show we can have. You know, entertain me. Hey, come on, let's, 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 you know, keep it going. Keep me entertained. Keep my family entertained. Hey, preacher, let's see how, you know, make my day. Let's see how you can do. That's not, it's the idea of, hey, I'm here and I am ready this morning. You all coming to 1030 service ready? Everybody ready? 730 service tonight? Ready. So this is intense. Everybody gets seeing the intensity? I charge you, and we're going to be accountable before God when Jesus comes back and preach the word and be ready all the time. So this is intense. And then there's some other imperatives there at the end of verse 2, and, and I'll, I'll get to those another time. But it just kind of, at the end of verse 2, it makes me wipe my brow and say, phew, man, is that intense. And then it makes me ask this question myself. Do I ever feel, do you ever feel like we get intense about the wrong things? Do you find yourself getting intense ever in your life? Anybody? Everybody out here pretty chill people? Just even, never get too excited about anything. We're all Mr. Spocks here. No? You guys watch Star Trek, Mr. Spock? Never, never emotional, just level all the time. Do you ever feel like we get intense about the wrong things in our life? And sometimes do we ever get intense about the wrong things, and sometimes am I ever laid back about things that do matter in my life? How many times in my life am I getting intense? What would happen, what could happen if we would allow Jesus to give us what I'd like to call, I've been calling at least in my life, a sanctified intensity. 
Because isn't it true this morning, God did not call us, sanctification does not mean we are no longer emotional beings, right? So as soon as you get sanctified, what happens is, you know, you need an altar, second definite crisis work, and God just removes your emotions. Out they come, right? No more emotions. God doesn't remove our emotions. He sanctifies our emotions over time, doesn't he? Remember, the crisis thing is he creates a perfect heart, and then the rest of my life, he's working that out in my life. We talked about Oswald Chambers working out what he's worked in. So there's a crisis moment of entire sanctification. My heart is right with God, a pure heart, and then he's working things out. Does anybody here besides me find that we need a lot of process in our emotions even? I come from an emotional family. We are not laid-back people where I come from. <laughs> and so sometimes I find myself that my emotions are still needing sanctified in some areas. And again, God, you know, sanctified people are not these Mr. Spock. If you guys don't know what it means, look it up on the internet. Uh, it's, we're not these emotionless beings who we never get intense, we never get upset about anything. What God wants to do, though, is sanctify my intensity that I, I care about and I'm passionate about and I'm focused in what he cares about, right? Isn't that what God wants to do? And what would happen if I would allow him to do that, to say what I'm going to be passionate about is what you care about, and at least in this passage, that's preach the word, get into the word, and be ready. What if that's what I got intense and sancti- and, 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 uh, and, and really passionate about in my life? You know, Jesus, would you just give me a passion this year to be passionate about your word and, and just give me an attitude of readiness in my life all the time spiritually? What would happen? I, I, love, the little two, I love the little letters of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and I love just in 2nd John and 3rd John, in, in verse 4, both those letters, there's only one chapter in each, 2nd John, 3rd John, he says this kind of statement, I have no greater joy... I have no greater joy than to hear that my children made the traveling baseball team. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children made honor roll. Now, what does he say? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That's what makes my heart beat. That's what I'm intense about. That's what I care about. And what would happen, Jesus, if you could do that in us? Isn't that what revival does? Isn't revival, and by definition then camp meeting, an invitation to come here today and say, Lord Jesus, where in my life do I need to be, where do you need to narrow me? Where do you need to refine my thinking? Where do you need to transform me even more by the renewing of my mind? Where, you, where do you need to just kind of take me and say, just narrow me, just focus me on what matters, right? Is, is that the invitation of revival? Revival's always this, we're narrowing, we're narrowing. Jesus, just keep, 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 keep funneling me, keep pointing me, keep, keep corralling me, Jesus. Just keep sanctifying me into, into more and more and more that I care more and more and more about what you care about and you're passionate about instead of the peripheral things that I get upset about. Amen? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Sing that with me. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light 
of his glory and grace. Turn my eyes, right? Get me intense about what matters to you. Focus me. And maybe it's just flat out this morning that we just need to be stirred up and revived and awakened to what matters. <laughs> you ever feel like in the church these days, maybe we need to just get woke up? Anybody feel like we need a wake-up call in America? I was with a fellow worker at a camp recently. He said, do you, do you feel like we're just like in a stupor these days in the church? Not that we're stupid, which I am probably, but, but we're, we're in a stupor that literally are we just kind of like going, we're just kind of like yes. need to be awakened. Do you believe that we need a great awakening in our day? So Jesus, stir us and channel us and focus and sanctify our intensity to what matters. Now, the reason this is important, verse two, first two verses is so intense, is then verse 3 and 4, he explains why it's necessary. Do you notice how verse 3 he says, for, for, and when you hear that word at the beginning of a sentence, it means you're getting an explanation for what I just said. For, and what he's going to explain to Timothy in verses 3 and 4 is, the reason our intensity about the word and about being ready, having an attitude of seeking and readiness about God speaking to us and about the word in our lives is because the condition of the world, Timothy, the time will come. And by the way, I'll just say to you today, I, I believe we're there. I believe we're there. I, I believe we are in perilous times. This is not a scare tactic. We don't need to be afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. But I do think we need to look realistically at our world, don't we, fellow Christians and believers? And we need to know the state of things in which we live. So he says, for the time will come, in verse 3. And then he describes the condition of the times. And, and I think this really describes our times as well. And the simplest way to say it in just a few minutes, just for sake of time, is to summarize what I, what I think he says, what the times will be against and what they're for. Here's what our culture is against, and here's what they're for. What are they against? Verse 3, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Not endure. Uh, not endure literally means, uh, in Greek, don't put up with. They're not going to put up with it. No tolerance. No tolerance. Don't want to hear that. Sound, what's sound doctrine mean? Literally, um, the best way to say it is healthy teaching. Good, solid. We talked the other day about the meat of the word, Right? You know what I'm saying? The kind of teaching, the kind of biblical preaching and teaching, the kind of just solid. You know what I'm talking about this morning, right? You know when you go to church and the pastor's preaching or you come to Camp Psyker and hear Bert or Steve and, and you hear this just solid biblical meat of the word, the kind of thing that works on you when you go back to your cabin. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean? The kind of thing that you just can chew on. Man, I need to chew on that some more, that kind of meat of the word. And what he says is the time's going to come, and I believe we're there, when the, the culture doesn't want that. None of that. No meat. It's Golden Corral all over again, and you walk into that Golden Corral, and you know how it is in Golden Corral. I can tell you exactly. I have a picture in my mind. So you walk into Golden Corral. Over there's the salads. Over here is the entrees. And then down there is the desserts. And it's like walking into Golden Corral and make straight for the dessert table. That's our times, isn't it? 
We're getting fluff in our culture, aren't we? And sadly, what can take place is fluff in the church. And sadly, even more can be fluff in holiness pulpits. Fluff, right? Don't give us meat, give us the fluff. (laughs) So they will not endure, not put up with the meat. I don't want the entrees. I don't want anything that's going to cause me to grow. I don't want anything I have to chew on. Just take me straight over to the ice cream, all right? Give me ice cream preaching. I like ice cream. So they will not endure sound doctrine. Also then, verse 4, what they're against is they will turn their ears away from the truth. And in Greek, away is used twice. So it's away, away. So if you think about that, away, away means a 180, right? (laughs) They're turning away, away. So it's like a turning your back on the truth. We want to go in the opposite direction. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to, ta- to be turned aside uh, to fables. Now the word "turn" there also very interesting word "turn" about how they will turn away from the truth. Um, is anybody here, or did anybody here ever do wrestling? Is anybody here a wrestler or ever did wrestling? Okay. Okay. Right, so I, I grew up watching WWF with my grandpa. So I, anyway, so so anyway, so this is a in the ancient world. This is a wrestling move. This word turn right here, actually one of the ways it was used was a wrestling move. And what it describes is, if you can picture, you've probably seen it in the Olympics or something like that. You know, they had the ancient Olympic Games. So wrestling was one of the original events of the original Olympic Games. One of only six events in the original Olympics, Greco-Roman wrestling. So, um, when you, you know, so the guy comes to take a hold of you. The guy's going to grab you. And this word describes that you, you spin away or you try to twist out of the grasp of that guy. Does that make sense about the truth? I'm going to twist and contort away from the truth. Now, for you Ohio State fans and uh, you know, football fans, this in, the, in today's a- uh, athletics, this is the equivalent of a, of, a, of a running back doing a spin, what we call spin move. You know what I'm saying? So the guy's running with the football whoever it is, your favorite player, they're running with the football, some defender comes up to try to, to try to tackle him, and instead of being grabbed a hold of, he does this spin move away. I practiced that in my room, just to make sure I got it right. Thank you, thank you. Do you understand that's what's happening in our day with truth, spin move? I don't want anything to grab my life. I don't want anything to go to hold of me. Just give me the ice cream. Give me the dessert bar. I don't want anything that's going to grip me. That's what they're going to be against. Well, what are they for then? The world, the culture is against truth. What's it for? Verse 3, oh, verse 4 actually. They will be turned aside to fables. Without spending a lot of time on that, fables there, essentially um, the Greek word is muthos, from which we get the English word myth. So they want myths, we want stories, we want feel-good stories. Everybody likes a feel-good story, right? Go to church, I want to hear a feel-good story. You guys know I'm a Yankee, right? You, somebody asked us today, are we Southerners like Trina and I? And we, I mean, we're, we're, we're Yankees, we're, tra- we're missionaries to the South, all right? So one time I was in deep, 
deep south. Now, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Chicagoan. I don't have a southern accent, so I'm preaching in deep southern Alabama at this church, and uh, I never got asked back. And the pastor said um, <laughs> they, they wanted to hear more stories, not this stuff that you're doing. They, we, that preacher doesn't tell enough stories. So myths, stories, basically anything but the truth, anything, and I've told you about the ABC strategy of Satan, ABC, anything but Christ. So what the world is going to be for is anything that's not truth, that's going to get a hold of your life, that's going to grip you, get a hold of you, anything that's not going to just penetrate you and you have to chew on, anything that's easy, anything that's light, anything that's, that's nice, anything that's a story, that's what goes in our day, Right? That's what goes. That, that's what's popular. That's what goes. That's what's going to sell. If you want to have a, you know, if you really, really want to grow and you really want to attract people, that, that's what you do in our day. That's what they're for. In verse 3, it also says, so along that line, what are they for? It says, they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, do you hear the, the um, because they have itching ears. Now, without getting into it this morning, in the original language, there's connotations of pleasure there. Pleasure makes me feel good. Tickles, some, some translations say tickling of the ears, kind of connotations of, ah, this feels good. They will heap up for themselves teachers. In the Greek, literally piles of teachers. And that's what we hear. You know, don't give us truth. And all the time, I don't know if you guys hear this, but I'm just going to say all the time I'm hearing these days, you've just got to read this book. You've just got to. And I hear, I, I constantly have these recommended reading lists for that, I, that I'm being given. you got to read this and this and this. Oh, you got to listen to this guy, listen to this, watch this video, listen to this, listen to this, watch this, watch this, and this whole pile of teachers that you need to listen to. Um, one of my, in the Nazarene church, one of our general superintendents, um, somebody asked him, you know, what are you reading lately? What, what are you reading lately? Because that's always the question I get, you know, in professional circles. What, what are you reading lately? His answer was, I really liked it, the Bible. I liked it. Reading the Bible. Now, I don't know if you noticed in verse 3, but the undertone is familiar from what we talked about on Saturday this week. Let me read it with emphasis. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will keep up for themselves, teachers. Does anybody hear an undercurrent there? Men will be, verse 2, lovers of themselves. And that's what our world is for. Same old problem, right? So here's a question. We'll kind of bring it in here. What are we to do about this? We live in perilous times. We live increasingly in times where they don't want truth. This almost... violence towards truth even, this antagonism towards truth. We don't want that. Nothing that grips my life. Nothing that's going to get a hold of me. What should we do about it? You know what Paul's answer is? You know what you do about it? Preach the word and be ready. (laughs) Just stay in it. So Timothy, these times are going to come, but guess what? It doesn't change your approach one single bit. Because the answer for our times in all seasons is what it's always been, and you just keep on the truth. Because why? We learned yesterday what? 
the word is able. So Timothy, don't back off. Don't soften on preaching the word and just in your life, live in readiness and seeking in truth in your life. That's the answer for the world, church, in these days, right? That's the answer. And that's the reason for the intensity and the focus. Oh, Lord, get us back to what's always brought revival in the church. Revival's not some fancy formula. It's not a 20-step plan. Revival's always been a simple formula. God always honors if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and pray and be in my truth. That's what brings revival. So we are called to be as intense as ever, right, church? We're called in these days to be more committed than ever to the word in our lives. It's why it's so imperative for us to go home from Camp Syker all this next year and be a people, not just at camp, but at home, a people of the word, right? It's the word that's able. We've got to go back and be into the word. We've got to go back. Oh, God, please sanctify my intensity to let the things of earth grow strangely dim and make me intense about what you care about. Now, let me say this in concluding. The intensity that God calls us to in that is not like the world's intensity. And you know what I'm talking about. The world's intensity is pretty intense. You ever had somebody be intense with you? When I was a pastor, I plenty I can tell you stories. I had people, Joe Green can tell you even more, about people that being intense with you. I mean, there's there's any or if you're in Nashville traffic, there's intensity, right? Or, you know, when you're at a ball game, there's gonna be intensity. And the intensity of the world means this um, it's kind of raised voice, it's kind of like this kind of a thing, it's this, you know what I'm talking about, aggressive posture. And sometimes I fear maybe what can be led to think is that that's what we need to do as God's people in these days. We need a revival and we just need to get intense and we're about the truth and we kind of need to get out there in our day and just, right? We need a holiness message in our world right now because this world is going to hell in a handbasket. I, I always wanted to say that in church. But anyway, this world's going to hell in a handbasket, man, and the church is going to hell in a handbasket. There, I said it three times. So anyway, this world is just, in, and we just need to. Then there's this thing at the end of verse 2 that just has gripped me. And I haven't recovered from yet. We are to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. We are to convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Now this echoes what Paul said at the end of chapter 2 when he's really just as a dad counseling Timothy at the end of chapter 2 and he says this at the end of chapter 2, verse uh, 23. <laughs> oh, this is embarrassing. Avoid foolish, and ignorant disputes. In the Greek, that says Chicago versus Green Bay. Ohio State versus Michigan. Knowing that they generate strife, but a servant of the Lord, listen to this, must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach and patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. 
if God perhaps will grant them repentance so they may know the truth. My heart's gripped by that. Because I'm going to be just transparent with you guys this morning. Sometimes I'm angry about the state of things these days. And sometimes I get angry about even some of the state of things in the church. And my old family Chicago culture can rise up within me and say, but Jesus' intensity is about humility, gentleness, so that somebody can know the truth. Do you know, I've been convicted this year, holiness is not a finger wagging. You know what I mean? Holiness is not a finger wagging at the world. Holiness is a handout inviting them to allow the same Jesus who's changing my life to change theirs. Which is what he means to by long suffering. I could go an hour, but you guys, we need to have service. We long suffering. <laughs> going the long road, the long way. We need an intensity and a focus on our day. But what we really need in our day is Jesus' intensity and his focus, amen? The kind of lives in whatever area of life, in my family, in politics, in sports, and in the church, that I invite Jesus to make my life, Lord, please, just, please, Lord, narrow me, focus me, <laughs> sanctify me until my life in this kind of humility and gentleness and patience is an invitation and is a handout to even the world and even those in the church that are not knowing the truth. My hand can be out to them to invite them to know your changing power in their lives. And who, who would allow for, who is willing to come to a 10.30 service this morning? Who is willing to come to a 7.30 service tonight ready? You guys ready? Everybody ready? Readiness? Because <laughs> I know we're going to have the word preached. Are we going to come ready because we're accountable? And who's ready to say, Lord Jesus, where in my life do you need to sanctify my focus, my intensity? Where, Jesus, have I been intense about things that don't matter and you want to just sanctify me into more and more your intensity about what you care about. Any, anybody up for that today? No, no spin move now. No spin move. Thank you, Jesus. My wife sure needs her intensity sanctified, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Would you sanctify my intensity? Y'all with me? I care about what you care about. Jesus, we open ourselves this morning for thank you for a continuing sanctifying work. And thank you that you can take uh, people like, you can take somebody from Chicago, from an angry family, and thank you for your patience and long-suffering with somebody like me. And thank you for the grace in the process to not remove our emotions but to sanctify emotion and intensity and focus and passion into what you care about. 
And would you just, again today in the service, as Bert preaches this morning, would you reveal anything in my life, anything in our lives, Lord? We come ready. We're, we're Preach the word and be ready. We're ready not to spin out of the grip this morning of truth, but let you get a hold of us and do that work in us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and we'll see you for service in a few minutes.